Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? I missed last week. I heard Eddie was on fire up here. Yeah? Come on. I love it. I'm upside down. How's everybody doing? Good? It's good to have have you. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, I'm excited about um, this message and and what God has for us. And, and one of the things we've been doing and talking about during this series, during James, is really um, getting some personal stories, some stories about what God has been doing. Because we were asking you to engage. Engage in your neighborhoods. Engage in where you work. Engage where whatever you do. Um, it, 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 I just saw Josh. I had to say hi, Josh. Sorry. You know, it's so good to see you, buddy. Um, so I, I, wanna, I want um, um, Max to come up. And, and are you both coming up or...? Just Max. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so I, I want you to tell a story. Max is, is, you've heard his story if you've been here long enough, but they had this encounter listening to what we talk about in church and tell us what happened. What's with the bananas? Don't start. Don't give away all my secrets yet. Oh, it's coming. Can it's you hear coming. me? Is it even working? It's, is it on? We is good? it working? Yeah. That's a banana oh, no. palm, by the way. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it was like three weeks ago, he's like, um, you know, look for opportunities to, to serve widows and orphans. And so I just, Madison, I prayed right after that message, you know, how can we do that? And it happens to our neighbor is a single mom with two kids. And just, you know, recently her like ex-husband came back and it's like an alcoholic was at, at her front doorstep, basically just out of his mind. And like the cops came a few times and finally kind of got him off. And we talked to him and tried to like, the Christian in us wanted to help him, but he wasn't in his right mind. So Anyways, she's like struggling a lot and Madison kind of, you know, was taking the trash out and like, you know, runs into her and starts like talking to her and starts praying for her. She starts crying. And before this, about a year, like we've never, never really been able to talk to her. She's really reserved and I like, can't really like get to her. And, but she opened up there and then like about three days later, like um, we, we, we talked to her again and now she's like ready to talk to us. So she starts talking to us and then she's like, you know, we're like, hey, we want to we see your cat. And she lets us in her home. And we get in our home, and now we're like um, kind of friends with her, and we're talking to her kid, our nine-year-old, and we're getting to know them, and like just like sharing with them, and like you know playing with the cat and stuff. And then you know the next Monday, we end up watching her cat, and like we we ask if we could. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> you know, it, it, it I was, love Jesus, but I draw the line there. <laughs> now she's like becoming a yeah, she's becoming a friend now, right? Like, and and then we invite, you know, we're in the process of inviting them their whole family. She has two kids to go to dinner, so we're going to try to get to the point where we can actually minister to her and pray for her. But, like, it's a process. We're, it's yeah. a developing story. But What's her name? Her name is uh, Amy. Amy. Amy, why don't you guys join us as we pray for her right now? Go ahead. Nice. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for Amy, Kylan, and uh, Maya, and, and this family that's going through a lot right now. We just we thank you for the opportunity to serve them. Lord, we just ask for another open door to really preach the gospel and bring them to the Lord. We just pray for the opportunity to serve them and bless them. We pray that they're protected from 
you know, anyone, especially your ex-husband, just pray your protection over them and bless them and even uh, deliver him and set him free, Lord. But just pray for a blessing over this family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Max. Look, it, 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 as you heard his story, um, I don't think Madison beat her over the head with a Bible. Did you, Madison? You didn't do that. You know, they just, they just love their neighbors. They just love their neighbors. That's, that's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I, literally. <laughs> I, let's, let's practice reaching out to others and loving others. That's the church. That's what James is talking about. That's what James, the book of James, is about. And I want to lay a little foundation before we get into our passage this week. And, and I want to see what James is saying and what he's not saying. But let's start with what James is not saying as we get into this. He is not saying belief in Jesus isn't essential for salvation. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that works are necessary to obtain salvation. Saved by grace through faith that no man should boast. Salvation is free. What is he saying, though? Faith without works is dead. He literally says, dead. Faith comes from a heart that has been regenerated by God. So this is kind of just, I want to lay that foundation before I read this scripture, because I read the scripture, it's a, it's a scripture that's been, you know, wrestled with in the church and go a little confusing and kind of, wait, works, salvation, how does that all that work? But I just, just the basis and the foundation of what we're talking about is right here, God's grace. So let's read James 2, 14 through uh, 26, and it says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown your foolish person? At that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham your father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? You see that faith was activated along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them, sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. Let me read that again. For the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, I, I pray for clarity. God, that you just push me aside and... and, and and Lord, that Holy Spirit, that you'd speak through me. God, give us eyes to see. Give us a heart that would receive your word. But Lord, that we wouldn't just receive your word, we would, we would run with your word. 
Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This, it's, it's an interesting scripture. James begins to make this case for genuine faith in Christ Jesus and genuine change in the actions of a believer. In other words, he's matching up what you say and what you do. And, and is, is it radical or not? I ask that question because the reality is this. Today, it is radical to do what you say. Would you not agree? How many lost words are out there with people? You know, they got, they got the big words, and I'm with you. I'm with you to the end, and this is the end. <laughs> you know, there's this separation between what we say and what we do. We're not consistent in our words. So when he, when he says this, it's a radical concept for us as Christians. I love this quote, and I, I saw it, and, and it's... it's, it's it has grabbed a hold of me over the, the years, and, and, uh, it, but, but Dr. Maya says this, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. You know, you know, we like to do, oh, he had a bad day, oh, he, you know, oh, you know, a lot, lot of excuses and stuff like that. But when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. What does that mean? Human beings tend to act on what we truly believe. If angry, they're telling you who they are. If they consistently lie, they're telling you who they are. If they cheat, they are telling you who they are. Don't be fooled. Conversely, in, in, well, when we look at this, the problem is the world believes what we are telling them as Christians. There's this gap that is going on. Now, now conversely, what we see, Jesus says this, you will recognize them by their fruit. You'll be able to identify who they are by the fruit of their life. And let's take the same uh, premise that we did with uh, the other one. Human beings tend to act on what they truly believe. If kind, they're telling you who they are. If generous, they're telling you who they are. If loving, they're telling you who, you are, who they are. Believe them when they tell you. When they act, believe that that's who they are and what they're saying. But the world looks at Christians and what we are saying doesn't add up. There's this huge disconnect in the church, and I'm generalizing, I'm saying huge, and I'm, you know, I, I was uh, at work the other day, and, and I, 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 I speak in hyperboles, you know, and, and so when I'm in my meetings and stuff with, with my team and, and stuff, everything's like exaggerated and big, and and the girls just can't get around it. She's just like, dude, you're always so, you know, loud and big. And I'm like, just, just know that I speak in hyperbole. Everything's big and large and giant in, in when I speak. And, and so when I talk about the world looks at Christians, yes, the world looks at us and they say there's a disconnect there. There's an odd tree. Now, many of you have probably been looking at our odd tree. This, if you did not know, this is a banana palm. It is, it is native to Costa Mesa. I don't know if you've seen them around. I mean, Orange County, they are in Orange County, and they're growing, and they're, but they're native to Costa Mesa. The beauty of the, the banana palm is this. It, when you look at it, the bananas that come out, that, that are produced on this thing, come with stickers. Like, it's crazy. It, it's just, it, I mean, you've never seen anything like the banana palm. It's an odd tree. 
That's what James is saying. You look odd. There, there's something off. Something, something here doesn't make sense. You know, it, 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 you, you, you're a palm tree. You're supposed to grow way high in the, you know, and bring some shade and sway in the wind and, you know, but just, you're a palm tree. You don't produce fruit. That's odd. It looks strange. And conversely, you're a Christian. You, you, you're a Christian. You're, you're not supposed to flip me off when I cut you off. And then as I drive by, it says uh, it has a Christian fish on it. You know that guy? That's why I don't have Christian fish on my cars. <laughs> Sorry. They, they, they look at us and they go, wait, 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 wait. Jesus, this Jesus that you talk about, the Jesus that I heard about as a kid, the Jesus that I've, I've you know, the, the churches and everything, it, it looks a little different in your life. It looks a little odd. There's not a lot of kindness. There's not a lot of generosity. It's, it, there's not a lot of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. It doesn't match up. It brings confusion. And people look and go, doesn't make sense. And, and J this is what James is saying right here. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if you say I have faith, but you don't have work? What good is it if you walk around and say you're a Christian, and you have it on the back of your car, and you come to church twice a month, and you, know, you tip God and all those things, but you're not actually talking to your neighbors? You're not actually watching cats? That would be a stretch for I'm telling you, and I shouldn't say it because God's going to do it to me, I'm sure now, but it would, it would take all that I have to have to watch a cat. <sighs> Here's the reality. Here's the reality. The only people that we're fooling is ourselves. See, because here's the deal. People are reading you. I don't know if you know that. They're reading you. People are listening to you. And they're watching you. So when you throw up the little Jesus, when you throw up the little church, when you throw those things up, they go, okay, let me see if it matches or if it looks something like this, if it looks odd. See, if the church started to look a little bit more like Jesus, I bet you things would change a little faster. More lives would, would really be changed. What good is your faith if there's nothing coming forth, there's nothing produced? See, what are they watching for? What are people watching for when they go, okay, he says he's a Christian. She says that she knows Jesus. They say they go to church. What are they looking for? Because here's the deal. They've looked in the world, and they've looked for drugs, and they've looked for alcohol, and they've looked for money, and they've looked for sex, and they've looked for X, and they've looked for Y, and they look for all these things, and it hasn't satisfied. So maybe this Jesus you're talking about is the one who can satisfy. And the world's looking, and they're saying this. Just give me one. Give me one Christian that looks like Jesus. Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible that you talk about. Mm -hmm. so They're looking for the hope of Jesus that lives in you. You know the one that transformed you? The one that made you who you are today? That, that's what people are looking for. 
What do they see? Ah, it's quiet in here. Look, let me, let me clarify something right here. I, I, am, I look like that more than I would like. I, I, I look like this tree more than I would like to or that a pastor should. So I, let's be real clear here. I'm not talking about perfection. No one other than Jesus. But what I'm talking about, and I talk about it often, is closing the gap between what I say and what I do. And looking a little more like Jesus and a little less like an oddball that says he knows Jesus. James gives several examples. In, in 15 and 16 in that passage, he says this, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things, um, things needed for their body, what good is that? It's, it's like this. I, I, I had to go get bananas this morning, and, and uh, so I go to Stater Brothers, and, and I drive in, and I, I park, and there's that guy, and, and you know I've been studying and thinking about this for the last week or so, and, and, and there's that guy stand, or sitting there, and he's He's got a, a water and, and a backpack, and I get out of my car, but I got to get bananas for the, you know, the banana palm, so I, I'm, I'm in this hurry, and, he, and he, he just says something, and as he says something, I keep going and say, hello. I know what he wants. He wants food. He wants money. He wants something. And I'm walking in there, and I'm, I'm trying to think about my message, and I'm thinking about all these things, and, and the Holy Spirit's going, wait, 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 wait a second here. You just did what you're telling these people not to do. You just disconnected from the word and what God called, from this faith that I have in Jesus and this calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, okay. I get my bananas. I walk out, and uh, he's sitting there. And this time I allowed him to lock eyes. The first time I'm just like, you know... Uh, you, you, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Don't look them in the eyes. <laughs> they'll bring you in and they'll want money. I looked him in the eyes. You know why? Because he's, he's an image bearer of God. He's an, that, that, the dirtiest, the smelliest, the most downtrodden is an image bearer of God. I look him in the eyes. He says, hey, can you help me out? Of course, it's the, the one day that all I have is a 20. He, it, to which he's like, thank you so much. I'm just trying to get some food. And, uh, the church, there can't be this, this odd-looking church that is disconnected from, from who we say we are and what we do. James says this, show me your faith apart from works and I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you that when I come into this relationship with Jesus and he changes my heart and he moves in my life and he forgives me, he brings grace and he brings mercy and he blesses me beyond imagination that, that, that what's produced out of that is a love for others, a care for others, an ability to see others that I didn't see before. That's what this word produces when you come into a relationship with Jesus, when you're regenerating your new creation with Christ. That's the fruit that comes forth. That's what God wants, what Jesus said, and what James is reaffirming. Affirming. He says, in other words, I'm, I want to show you a transformed life. See, this faith in the creator of heaven and earth to be our Lord and Savior, 
is a transforming God. And he doesn't leave me in my stuff. He pulls me out of it. He pulls me out of it. James gives us another example, and he says this in verse 21. Was not Abraham who father justified by his works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works, and faith was completed by his work. Now this is one that blows people's minds. You know, how do you take your son up to, to kill your son? And, and, and it just it is, it's a mind bender for, for most people who don't understand what God is doing. But Abraham encounters, here's what you've got to understand. Abraham has this encounter with God, Genesis 15. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heavens and the number of stars, if you're able to number them. In other words, you can't. He says, then he said to him, you shall, uh, so shall your offspring be. And you, and, and he believed the Lord, and it counted to him as righteousness. He has this encounter with the creator of heaven and earth. He says, look at the stars. He says, your offspring, those that will come after you, as numerous as those stars in the sky. Boom, his mind is blown. He, he, this just intimacy, this, this revelation from God, and it goes on and he has another encounter in Genesis 15, and, and it says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoke-fired pot, which uh, fire represents God's cleansing and his holiness, and, 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 and it says that, that that pot and the flaming torch passed between these two pieces on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, with Abram saying, to your offspring I will give this land from the rivers of Egypt to the great river and the rivers of the Euphrates. He makes this covenant. He comes into intimacy. It, it represents in, in, the, in the Hebrew what they would do is they literally cut covenant. That blood would have to flow and interact. And God takes them through this as he splits these animals apart. And, and God walks through the middle of them. The, the, the pits, the pot, and the fire. And, and he, he goes deep with Abraham. So much so that Abraham has changed. And Abram's name has changed to Abraham. See the encounter that he has? didn't leave him just going to synagogue twice a month. James says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Abraham's faith is untested. He has this encounter with God. It's intimate. It's, it's, there's, there's emotion and all these things that go with it. And then God goes, okay, here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abram, here I am. He replied, and God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Now remember, he just told him that, 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 that his, his, he didn't have the son then, that, that the stars in the sky would, would represent all that, that God would bring for him. And this son uh, represented that. It was, it was the picture of that. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there, a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. Ooh. Ooh. We, could, we could plug a few things in there. We could plug your time. We could plug your finances. We could plug your relationships. Abraham's faith is in action. On the third day, Genesis 22, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. God told him to go sacrifice his son there. Faith in action. Abraham 
Genesis 22. When they reached that place, God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and arranged uh, the wood on it and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Mind-blowing. But Abraham had this encounter with God, so much so that he, he couldn't separate who he said he was and what God asked him to do. The be and the do. To actually be a Christian. To actually obey obedience to what God calls. Now the question is, which came first? First, Abraham's faith or his works? Neither. It was an encounter with Jesus, his encounter with God, his encounter with the Holy Spirit. Before faith, before works, came this encounter that he had with God. And out of that is what we see. He encounters the living God. He believes him in faith, and he acts on his faith. See, what happens many times in, 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 in the Christianity in America is we have this, I, I don't even want to call it an encounter, we have this moment with God. And it never leads to believing God for what he says. Or, God forbid, acting on what he asks us to act on. He encounters God in chapter 15, the promise of God in the dream. You ha and, and you have to see this. This is amazing to me, a, a level of faith. We just read this. Now, it always, it, it just, I, I didn't understand this. He's walking in faith in chapter 22. It says, he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, what was he going to do? He was going to sacrifice his son. So how in the heck can he say to his servant, the boy and I will be back? Because the, the, because the promise, Isaac, his son, he knew that even if he had to sacrifice his son, God would resurrect him. He knew that his son was the promise. He knew that God had given the promise. And he had enough faith to say, I don't know how this is gonna, what it's going to look like, but I know what the end of the game is, that God is going to fulfill what he said in my son Isaac. And some of you have a word from God, and some of you know what God's calling you to, and you're like, I'm not going to put that on the idol, on the, on the, yeah, as an idol and sacrifice that. And he said to his servant, we'll be back. Me and the kid, we'll be back. He didn't tell me what he was going to do. He said, we'll be back. That's crazy faith to me. That, that's, a, that's a faith that, that I want to walk in, but it only comes through encountering Jesus. It only comes through these encounters that we have with God the Father. It's a faith that I, I, I wish I walk in regularly, every day, each moment. But it has to happen through the encounter in this word, in prayer, in fellowship. And he's obedient in chapter 22. And he reached out his hand and took out a knife and to slay his son. Obedience. He was obedient to God's word. And then because of what God did and his obedience the Bible says this in Genesis 15 he believed the Lord and, it, and, and he counted it to him as righteousness that's, that's what I want 
That's, that's the church. Faith and works together means this. Obedience in God to the mark of true saving faith. Obedience to God is the mark of true saving faith. Obedience to God. When you encounter this God, when you, when you encounter him, you counter him in such a way that, that how do I not be obedient? How do I not reach the lost? How do I not feed the hungry? How do I not help those who are in need? How do I not do it? I have to. Simply saying that we believe in Jesus, it doesn't save us. What saves us is the Holy Spirit's regeneration of our hearts. The regeneration will invariably be seen in a life of faith featured, uh, uh, featuring ongoing uh, obedience to God. When you look at someone's life and you just go, man, faithful, man, they're faithful, man, they're faithful. They just, they just keep showing up. They just keep showing up. They're just faithful to what God has. The misunderstanding of the relationship of faith and works comes from this Western mindset of Christianity. And it looks something like that. There are two general errors in regarding works and faith that we see in American church. Easy believism and making our works a part of justification. Let me, let me go through those real quick. First, the first error, easy believism. Easy believism. It's this. The teaching that as long as a person prayed a prayer that said, I believe in Jesus at some point in his life, that he is saved no matter what. Oh. Some of you go, oh, maybe that was me. Let's look at this. Let me give you an example of the Western church. So, so in other words, a person who runs down to the front of the church and raises or raises their hand in church service is considered saved. Is that true? Whew. That's, that's, even though he or she has never shown any desire to walk with God since and is in fact living in blatant sin. That'll quiet the room. Let's, let's talk about the natural and the spiritual. We talk about it often. The natural and the spiritual run parallel to one another. And what does in the natural, what God does in the natural, is a, a parallel and a picture of what God does in the spiritual. So let's take, this, let's take this same analogy that we're talking about and let's look at it in, in the natural as opposed to as we've been looking at it in the spiritual. Let's talk about this marriage. Let's say that, because this is what James is talking about. I say, I want to marry you. We go to the altar. We get married. And then I take off and I keep living the life that I lived prior to being married to that woman. What if I just said, oh, man, I'm so in love with you. I consummate the marriage and just, this is the greatest thing ever. I'll be back next week, right around 10 o'clock on Sunday. And I live like hell throughout the week. And I run back and Sunday morning I'm like, hey, I'm back. How are you? Big hug and kiss and of course I want to consummate the marriage again. And, and, and then at 11 o'clock, I'll see you next Sunday. And I go out and I just live my life and... I come back, and I do it the next week. I don't even come. I, you know, don't even go to the, the church service because it's twice a week or a month. You know that. Um, so, you know, I skip a week, and then here I come back. Does, would anybody, anybody put up with that in a relationship? Absolutely not. Yet, we think that a holy, gracious, loving, kind God would put up with that. That's what James is talking about. It's an odd tree. 
It doesn't make sense. Easy believism. We can see in James 2 an empty profession of faith, one that does not result in a transformed life of obedience in Christ, is really, as James said, dead faith that cannot save. Dead faith that cannot save. Let's look at the second error. Making, uh, uh, making or working uh, works a part of justification. Taking what we do and, and making a part of the justification. You know, justification, just as if we've never sinned. That's, that's coming into this relationship with Jesus. We're justified by the blood of Jesus. So making, us, uh, making our works a part of that justification, it's a mixture of works and faith to earn salvation. That if I pray hard enough, that I give enough, if I go to church enough, if I walk enough people across the street, if I do enough fine things, that, that I'll earn my salvation. That's an American gospel that is not true. Romans 4, 5 says this, to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Well, hold on right there. I don't work. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. But I'm going to believe on the one who justifies the ungodly. I'm going to believe on the one, Jesus Christ, who justifies the ungodly. It says his faith is accounted for righteousness. Making our works a part of justification, what does that look like? The works that follow salvation do not make us righteous before God. We said that. They simply flow from a regenerated heart. Or we could say it this way. They simply flow once you've had an encounter with God, the living God. And as naturally as water flows from a spring. Let's I want to finish with some clarity. Um, because there may be someone in here today that goes, oh, that's kind of me. Let's look at these five things. Salvation. Titus 3.5 says, it's the washing of regeneration or renewal of the Holy Spirit, thereby causing you or me to be born again. That's salvation. Who, 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 who's doing something here? Not me. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates and changes me. Changes me to be born again. Now that's the one that, that, that people freak out about. Oh, born, you born again, you born again. It's a biblical term. And I'll, I'll just say that in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're, uh, one is born again, he cannot sing the kingdom of heaven. That, that, that renewal, that regeneration, I was this, but now I'm this. I was a sinner, but because of God's uh, love and His Son Jesus, I now have life. I'm regenerated. I'm transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm born again. I'm a new, a refreshed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove your heart of stone from, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God will renew your heart. Again, I am doing nothing in this other than encountering Jesus and being obedient to his word. And when I encounter the creator of heaven and earth and I'm obedient to his word, he takes that heart of stone, he takes that hardened heart, he takes that guy that can walk by someone getting ready to preach message and walk by a guy who has no food and not worry about it to get his bananas. And he changes it. And he softens his heart. And he walks out. And he looks 
and an image bearer of God in the eyes. And he responds appropriately out of the obedience of God's word, not out of the selfishness of his heart. A new creation. I, that is so, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. When I come into that relationship, I don't have to be what I was. I don't have to be what... Uh, too many times we choose to hold on to it, and that's some of the things that James is saying. No, 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 you're a new creation in Christ. You're not an odd tree. You're a new creation. You're perfectly made in the image of God. And I have great things for you. And sometimes that's as simple as babysitting a cat. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Ezekiel 36, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Again, the power comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's obedience. It's having eyes to see. It's repentance. It's walking out of my, my pride and, 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 and stepping in, in humility and the blood of Jesus and allowing him to do what he does. It, it's, it's what Kevin and, 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 and Grayson were singing about and talking about. It's, it's I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I, I will lay prostrate on this ground before my God. It's, I don't care what anybody thinks. God is worthy to be praised in this place. And, and I know what I was and I know what I am because I'm a new creation. So I'm going to worship. And I will put a new heart. I will put a, my spirit within you. That's what James is talking about. That's what he's talking about. And then the do. Matthew 25, 40. Truly I say to you, as you did, to, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to me. He watched a cat. He did it to Jesus. I gave some guy 20 bucks unto Jesus. I, I, I brought a meal unto Jesus. I... I Maggie, I, I talked to the guy that's working on, on my house and doing some stuff and, 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 and hands and feet of Jesus. My mom just, uh, the, lived cross street from a Muslim family and the kids loved her and she loved them. Hands and feet of Jesus. That, that's what James is talking about. Church, if we could get that. Oh God, if I could get that. If I could walk in that. But you know how it happens? Encountering Jesus every single day. So what does Jesus say a Christian looks like? He gives us a few things. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not going through them today. Don't worry. I see some of your faces. But you need to go through them. Not only do you need to go through them, you need to walk in them. If you consider Jesus your Savior, you need to encounter him. And you need to love better. You need to love well. You need to encounter him and you need to be kind. You need to encounter him and walk in faithfulness. You need to have an encounter with God and walk in self-control. Walk in gentleness. 
So my question for us today is, do you look like more like Jesus, or do you look more like an odd tree? That's all James is asking. And what he's saying is, if you look like an odd tree, it's dead. It's dead. Oh God, have mercy, I don't want death. I want life, and I want your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time this morning. Oh God, I thank you for this church, these men and women. Lord, as James instructs us around our faith and what we do, oh God, let us have ears to hear. Let us obey. God, let us obey. God, I thank you for the men and women in this church. Oh, God, the, the, what a blessing. God, I send them now in the name of Jesus. I send them as, as servants of the Heavenly Father, that they would be your hands and feet, Father. Oh, God, let us love well. Let us be kind. Let us be gracious. Father, we thank you for who you are and your son, Jesus. If, if anyone hasn't had that encounter with Jesus before, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you pray that prayer and, and, and you surrender your life and you, you repent and you ask Jesus to be Lord and, and you allow that, that, the blood of Jesus to wash over you, you're free in Him. God, let us be the church. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we stay in this attitude of worship. Um, will you throw me a... Yes, come on. Just um, really quickly, John was talking about obedience, and I was reminded of the verse in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22, and it reads, Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And... Um, I just wanted to real quickly say, um, before I met John, I was engaged to be married to someone else in college. What? And, sorry, you knew that. Sorry. You knew that. But, um, but, but there was something really um, powerful that the Lord showed me because I actually prayed a very scary prayer. I remember saying to the Lord, this guy doesn't treat me very well, but it's okay. I like him so much. Would you just let me marry this guy? I'll play the martyr. We call it a martyr mentality. I'll play the martyr and I'll sacrifice the good thing that you have for me if you'll just let me have what I think I want right now. And God 
God was so faithful and so sweet to me to say, no, I have more for you. I have more fruit for you. I have better for you. And it's not just about you and your temporary satisfaction. And so I think sometimes the Lord speaks to us and he says, I want you to obey. And we think it's such a heavy thing and such a hard thing to do. But when we lay down that kind of martyr mentality and trust that he really does know what's better and he sees what's down the line, right? Jesus was obedient. He was obedient to the point of death. And because of his obedience, we get life, right? We get forgiveness. We get holiness. We get all of those things. And so your obedience and my obedience wasn't just for me. It was for our children. It was for the church. It was for everything else that the Lord would do past my own temporary thing. And so just if you have like a wrestling in your soul of do I really want to obey this thing I feel like the Lord's doing, think about the bigger picture of it. Don't set in that relationship. Don't settle in that job. Obey where the Lord is calling you to obey because there's blessing on the other side of it. That's good. Thank you.